Welcome to the Ashley and Jessicast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hey, everybody. So if you've read the title of this podcast, you know I need a break. So that's why we're doing an AMA slash Q&A episode this week. I have been obnoxiously busy the past couple weeks, and it was actually very, very difficult for me to get the last Lindsay episode, the jail episode out. The amount of research that I do, I mean, I'm not looking for a pat on the back or anything, but you guys, I don't even want to know how much time, like how many dozens of hours I spent on that one episode alone. And it was really hard for me to get out. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to keep up with this (laughs) with my current schedule. Because if you don't know, if this is your first time listening, hi, welcome. Thank you for listening. I'm an actress and I run my own business and I'm also a podcaster, obviously. And so everything I do is kind of gig based. Most of the time I'm very busy just because I'm an Aries and I always have my hands in 10,000 different things and doing a million different creative projects and things like that. And I can't really sit still. So even if I do a free time, I invent a new thing to get myself into and then I'm 10 times busier than (laughs) I really should be because I got myself into something else. So that's me. And usually my schedule is busy but manageable and that's how I like it but the past like week and a half two weeks it's been like gross busy where I actually feel sick because I am not getting enough sleep and I'm staying up until you know two three four in the morning working and then I get up at like eight and go to the gym and then come home and start working again and also I have to schedule in social time not only because I want to and I care about my friends and family, but also because, you know, it's good for your mental health. Like it's not good to neglect things like that. So I literally schedule in like phone calls with friends as if like it's like a work thing, which sounds like kind of lame, but it actually works out really well because then I know it's like it's scheduled in. I'm going to do it. So yeah, it's just been really busy. And I, I knew that at some point I was going to have to either skip another week of podcasting or put out something like this. And I didn't want to skip out another week. So here's a Q&A episode. And I know some people say like, oh, when you do a Q&A episode, it's like you've run out of ideas or something like that. I haven't run out of ideas. <laughs> I wish I could run out of ideas. I have so many ideas bouncing around in this brain of mine that even when I do finish all my work, I'm like literally laying there like, oh, there's so many other things I want to do. There's so many other things I want to talk about. There's so many other ventures that I have in my mind that I want to get into so I have trouble stopping even when I should be stopping so I was like you know what I actually find Q&A episodes really interesting because I think if you listen to a podcast regularly you kind of get to know the host a little bit but not as much as maybe you would like I mean I know that sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast I'll hear a host like drop in like a kernel of information and I'm like wait I want to hear more about that relationship or I want to hear you know and uh, so I opened it up to you guys and I I said ask me anything and you guys did you guys sent in such great questions 
And then some questions are just going to be stuff that I've gotten in my messages, which if there's anything personal that you that you send to me in your messages, you can trust me. I, I won't just put it on the podcast without asking you if it's okay. But if you just ask me like a casual question, like, you know, what do you think about Jessica's hair? Then I'll <laughs> then I'll put it in episodes like these. So yeah, let's just get started. Okay, the first question is, which decade would you want to relive? Oh my God, I love this question so much. I'm one of those people who's kind of obsessed with the past, at least the past like 50 years, I feel like, or no, even further back. I don't know. I love vintage stuff. When I was looking for stuff in my apartment after I moved, I was looking for a lot of mid-century kind of stuff. I love flea markets and vintage shopping and Goodwill and thrift stores and stuff like that. So I I love the past. I don't know. I find it fascinating. And I think being obsessed with pop culture, I often think about how pop culture reflects our society and vice versa and all the eccentricities of that and complexities of that. I actually, I have a bachelor's degree in theater with an acting concentration. And I also studied TV and film in college like my major changed from theater to film to back to theater with an acting concentration but I would love to study more about just like culture in general and society and pop culture I really want to get a master's if master's degrees were free I would be in school right now like I would have actually I would be done by now because I graduated when did I graduate 2019 and it is I graduated three years ago so I would already have a master's I I you know if it didn't cost $150,000 I probably would be in school right now and I would want to study more of that kind of stuff I've always been obsessed with the 60s and not to get super spiritual on anyone but like I kind of recently started believing in past lives like I believe in a lot of alternative spiritual shit but I was never really sold on past lives until about a year ago I read of course the classic many lives many masters so I recommend that if you're curious at all about past lives or if it's something you've always kind of heard about but don't really know what the deal is there read that book and I don't know I feel like if past lives are real which I kind of I'm thinking they are uh or something similar I don't know I don't know the universe is mysterious but I think I was alive in the 60s. It's the only thing that makes sense. I feel so comfortable uh, talking about the 60s and I love everything 60s. I am a big fan of the Kennedys. That's one cornerstone of my personality that I feel like everybody close to me has to hear about a thousand times. (laughs) My favorite Kennedy is Bobby Kennedy and I feel like such a deep connection to him. I don't know why but I really feel a connection to their whole family and I feel a really deep pull toward Massachusetts and Massachusetts also just in general has a lot of American history so I feel like that ties into my obsession with past decades and stuff too but just in general like I feel like I'm obsessed with every decade from the 40s on but the 60s in particular you asked what decade would I relive so I really only have a choice of the 90s the 2000s the 2010s right (laughs) because you're saying relive and if we're not talking past lives then I guess I have to pick one of those. And it would obviously be the 90s. I mean, being a 90s kid is another cornerstone of my personality. Like, I was just talking about this the other day on my Instagram story, actually, about how I love watching bad 90s movies almost just as much as great 90s movies because even if it's a bad movie, like even if it's poorly done and bad script and bad acting, 
it's still set in the 90s and that means it looks like my childhood so I feel comforted watching it like it makes me feel comfy and cozy and nice so I'll basically watch any 90s movie Netflix has a section in my recommended which is like just 90s movies and I'm like yep I I just click one on and turn like because I'm a huge movie buff I'm obsessed with all things film so I've seen most of the movies that they're recommending to me, but I prefer to have movies on while I work. Movies are reality shows, but I love, it's just comforting to me to see 90s interiors and 90s stores and products and people and I don't know. It just makes me feel comfortable. So I would love to relive the 90s, especially in my own life because I have a lot of great memories from the 90s and my childhood and I love so many of the I I mean, I I love the pop culture of the 90s, but I think it's because that's when I was a little kid. And when you're a little kid, everything feels so much more important and dramatic. Like nothing will ever be better than coming home after school and turning on MTV and cracking open a blue (laughs) Kool-Aid and just watching music videos and waiting for your favorite one to come on and then I would literally race home trying to make it in time for TRL and I always would miss the beginning because that's just how my school schedule was and I would come in and it would be like they'd be on like video number seven or whatever and you know just that I mean that's like if I could relive that just one day that that would be like getting high like it would be amazing. (laughs) Thanks for your question. Okay next question is from Amy. So she says, hi, Leah, I was wondering what your opinion is on blind items in general and also the podcast Beyond the Blinds, specifically the episodes on Ashley and Jessica and Lindsay Lohan. I thought a lot of the blind items sounded unbelievable, but the host seemed to believe them totally. So I was wondering what your opinion is. I love Beyond the Blinds. I mean, you guys know if you've been listening for any length of time, you know, I'm obsessed with Troy's podcast Dunzo. And I'm so, so happy for Troy with like all the success of Beyond the Blinds. He did an episode of this podcast, by the way. So I do know him a little. He w- he did A Newlyweds Christmas with me last year. And it's a great episode. And it's one of my most listened to episodes because I think he's just really developed a following through podcasts. Because he did that before Beyond the Blinds, actually. So I love Dunzo. I mean, I still think it's one of my all-time favorite podcasts. And I remember when I first started listening to it, it was called The Smush Room. Who remembers? Who are the OG Smush Room listeners? (laughs) I remember when I found that podcast, I was just so impressed by him. And I was like, how is this guy not an E! News correspondent or working for, I don't know, MTV or VH1, even though MTV and VH1 is not even close to what it was, so... That probably wouldn't be the right place for somebody like him at this point. But you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, how is he not famous for like celebrity reporting or, you know, something like that? I mean, I feel like he should be teaching a class on like pop culture at a college or something. But I was so happy when I saw Beyond the Blinds blow up so quickly. So I'm definitely a fan of the podcast. And as far as those specific episodes, well, let me talk about blind items in general first. How I see blind items, I've never been super into them. So I basically see them the way I see any other celebrity gossip, right? So I think a lot of blind items are true. A lot of blind items are false, but most of them land somewhere in between. I think a lot of blind items are just, you know, I think that they hear a little tip about something and then they kind of write around it. 
and they kind of create something out of a little tip about a celebrity. And maybe that little tip was true, but the rest of the iceberg that they built around it isn't, or it's exaggerated, you know? But also, one of the things that they point out on the podcast, which I do think is really interesting, is if you read blind items over a period of time, you start to notice trends about certain celebrities. So say there's... um, a really crazy rumor about I'm just gonna pick some random person Jennifer Aniston which there are never crazy rumors about her because she's so you know she's our vanilla queen what can we say you know as I said on my story the other day she's hydrated she's moisturized she's unbothered and you know whatever but say there's a really crazy rumor about Jennifer Aniston that is in a blind item and nobody believes it but then a year later there's another blind item about it and then six months later there's two more blind items that say the same thing And then maybe there's a bunch of other blind items about her that have nothing to do with that. And you're like, "Mm, I don't really believe these or these are really tame or these are really stupid. And then there's another one relating to that original scandalous topic. It's like, oh, I'm starting to notice a trend over time. Like this seems like it actually might be true. So I do think that's interesting. But in general, I take them all with a grain of salt. I more listen to the podcast because I think Troy and Kelly are entertaining to listen to together. And it's it's just like a very easy listening thing unless they're doing one of the heavy podcasts. Um, I really recommend listening to the one about Dan Schneider, which will ruin Nickelodeon for you. But Or not all of Nickelodeon, but, you know. I mean, for those of us who are Amanda Show fans, which, by the way, <laughs> one of my best celebrity uh, meeting stories is that I was working at Urban Outfitters when Amanda Bynes was going through her really rough time with the big platinum messy wig and she came into my store at the Garden State Plaza. This was like 2013. Not kidding. I met her at work. It was crazy. I actually met a lot of celebrities working at Urban Outfitters. Like I've been working in the industry forever and I've met a lot of celebrities like professionally or at premieres and stuff, but I actually met a good amount of people just at Urban Outfitters. I'm only mentioning this because one of my other questions is about like celebrities I met. But anyways... So, um, so yeah, that episode involving Amanda Bynes mm, was really, that was heavy. And then the other one that where they're, they talk about Leonardo DiCaprio's agent and men related to that Hollywood ring of pedophiles. I mean, it's crazy. Like those are really heavy, but a lot of them, like, you know, the episode about the Kardashians or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just light, easy listening. And I really enjoy the banter that they have and, all that as far as the episodes on Jessica and Ashley and and Lindsay so there was one episode um that was a Simpson sisters and like Simpson family episode I agree with you I didn't believe like most of it I thought I thought a lot of them were so silly and so stupid and I just didn't really buy it I have heard from multiple sources though that Ashley Simpson is a little bit more of a mess than we would really want to believe I guess you know but there's been clues of it right like when she in that McDonald's video when she was drunk like at the height of her fame and uh, you know I think in general she was making some irresponsible decisions I think that's what led to the whole lip sync debacle is you know the night before she has to sing live on SNL even though she knows she has acid reflux and she's been told not to eat and drink certain things she's out partying and then the next morning she's having pancakes with syrup and acidic fruits and fruit juices and stuff it's like girl you are aggravating that throat it's almost like she wanted to fail in a way so I don't know I do I do kind of believe the stories about her going to rehab and being kind of self-destructive like I think that that could be possible and maybe she's just one of those people that like actually just did get her act together and you know she started having kids and now she 
doesn't have the same issues and she figured it out and she had support and she had help and I think she's okay now like I definitely don't think that there's anything messy about her existence right now although I do know that she and Evan both smoke which I think is so crazy like girl what about the acid reflux like stop smoking but yeah I believed basically none of the blind items about Jessica and not because I think Jessica is some clean you know completely perfect angel or anything I actually love a lot of the stuff that she alluded to in her book open book like I I do think that she had her her wild times and everything like that but I also don't think that like maybe maybe you got the impression that Troy and Kelly believed the blind items like all of them but I don't think they do I think that they just are kind of reading them and they don't want to say after every single blind item well that's not true because then it would be like okay, so why am I listening to this, you know? But yeah, I thought I took a lot of the Ashley and Jessica episode with a grain of salt. But I also, that episode came out a long time ago now. And I only listened to each of them once when they came out. So the Lindsay episode is kind of old too by now. Um, And Lindsay, I'm much more open to like believing scandalous shit about because it's Lindsay. I mean, (laughs) like, I love the girl, but let's be honest. (laughs) She has made a couple, shall we say, questionable decisions. But I don't know. It's hard to say. I think that the truth is often stranger than fiction and so I think that even the blind items that we hear that are true and that are crazy and we can't believe them I think it's the tip of the iceberg honestly having worked in the industry I mean it's a crazy business and Hollywood especially like I'm on the New York side of things but Hollywood especially is crazy so that actually brings me to my next question which is really really sweet so this question is from Kendra love that you share a name with the iconic Kendra Wilkinson by the way and she says a lot of very nice things about my podcast so thank you Kendra so much and the question is she says so I moved to LA about six months ago and I'm already getting super discouraged I was wondering if you could give any advice about acting or any tips you have on surviving all the rejection so If you only moved to LA six months ago and you're already getting discouraged, it might not be for you. That's the hard, tough love truth, okay? If you've only been doing it for six months and you're already like, I can't do this, that's not good. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. That's just like, um, you know, you ask for advice, I'm giving it. I've been acting since I was a little girl. That was a long time ago. I have faced more rejection in my life than I can even fathom and it rolls right off my back how does that happen I don't even know I feel like I was built for this or something I wish I could give better advice I know a lot of people who have quit especially being in the industry so long you know there are people that I met when I was like 20 that were brilliant and I looked up to them so much and they always got the big roles on you know in local stuff or I saw them in a movie here and there and now you know they sell car parts and they have a three kids and they have a boat and they bought a house and things like that and they did the normal person thing instead of the showbiz thing and there's no there's no shame in that but I have to say I scroll through my Facebook which has you know so many acquaintances over the years because when you're on set with people you're always like oh let me add your socials and stuff and I scroll through all these people that I thought were brilliant actors or singers and musicians and you know they don't they don't seem to do it anymore if they do they never post about it And that always makes me really sad. And it it really is not an industry for everyone. It's for almost no one, actually. (laughs) Like, I feel like you have to be such a specific type of person to be able to handle it. And here's the thing, Kendra, if you want to send me more information about you, like 
where are you in your career? What do you have on your resume? Do you have a reel? Do you have a website? Do you have good headshots? Like you you just moved to LA. Where are you from? Like are you from the middle of nowhere or did you live in New York or Boston or Chicago before? You know, did you already have credits? Like how old are you? What type of acting do you do? What type of acting do you want to do? If you could do anything in the industry, if you had any dream role, what would it be? Because, you know, some people want to be movie stars other people want to work in television other people want to do theater which I'm guessing is not your thing if you move to LA instead of New York or Chicago but you know you never know so um, I can give you more specific advice but just in general my I have two major tips that are just general tips for actors one you have to be in it for the long haul you have to be an actor no matter what So you can't have a thing where you're like, okay, if I'm not a series regular by the time I'm 30, then I'm quitting. That's not someone who's a real actor. I'm sorry. People might disagree with me, but I don't care. Uh, That's someone who needs validation and needs to have a certain type of success in order for them to feel like it's worth it to do this thing. Me personally... I will always be an actor. I'll be an actor until the day I die. If I never get another role again from my agent and they drop me, I still will be an actor. I'll just act in community theater or local commercials. If I had to if I had to start all over again from the very beginning with no credits and no reel and no website and no headshots, I would because I love acting and I will always be an actor no matter what. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm such an artistic, you know, artiste or anything and whatever. I'm not like that at all. I love attention and I love success and I love booking roles and validation and all that shit. I do. I'm not going to lie. My my biggest pet peeve is celebrities that act like they're so bothered by the fact that they're famous. I'm like, unless you're uh, famous involuntarily, like if you are a, a celebrity kid or something, like unless you're Mary, Kate and Ashley, like people who didn't choose to be famous, don't complain to me because You went on audition after audition. You fought thousands of other people to get to where you are. You knew that if you were successful, you would be in this position with some level of fame. So don't complain and say, oh, I just can't go anywhere without the paparazzi. Yes, you can. There are ways around it, okay? (laughs) But anyway, I mean, obviously, I'm not at that level. So maybe it is really hard to be super famous. I mean, I I think it is really difficult to be super famous. I've talked about that a lot. My ideal level of fame is like Parker Posey. You know, where you're respected in the industry, you get consistent work, people love you, but you're not getting chased down by paparazzi and you're not getting lied about in the tabloids. You know, like I just want to have a steady career as a performer, as an actress. And that is what I have. Of course, I always want more. You always want more and you want to reach for more. But I would say just tell yourself that you are an actor and performer no matter what. So even if you're performing at a local comedy club for five people that night because you guys didn't promote the show enough and nobody came out or you're performing at the Oscars you're hosting the Oscars and a billion people are watching you it doesn't matter you have to commit no matter what it is and you have to give every performance like you're the Beatles at Shea Stadium because that's what you love to do like I just I love acting so do I wish I was starring on a show like Breaking Bad or 30 Rock or Friends or The Sopranos? Of course I do. I would I would cut my arm off and hand it to you if you could give me that, right? But I'm not and I'm still happy because I get to act on a regular basis. It might not be on the level that I wish I could, 
but that's the business. It's a tough business. You got to be tough. You know, you got to be tough. So the other thing I would say is just make sure that you have support. Make sure you have friends and family who love you and don't care if you never work again. They love you no matter what. And, you know, make sure you have people around you that if you are just doing the local comedy club show and only five people come, they will come to see you, right? Um, and also, this tip is actually from Angelina Jolie. And I remember being shocked by this comment when she said it. Because... Keep in mind, this is Angelina Jolie saying this. Angelina Jolie, one of the most successful actresses of our time or of all time. They asked her, what advice do you have for young actors? And she said, make sure you have something else in your life aside from acting that you can get validation from. Again, this is Angelina Jolie. So when you think of her, you probably don't think of a lot of failure or a lot of rejection, right? You think, She's been very successful and very famous at a young age. She won an Oscar when she was, what, like 25, maybe? Maybe young. I don't even remember. When, when did, when, how old was she in 99 or 2000 when she won uh, for Girl Interrupted? I don't even know, but I know she was young. You know, born to a celebrity dad. Like, you, you don't think that she struggled. But obviously, you could tell by this answer that she did because I completely agree. You have to have something else that you're good at. Because even if you know in your heart and soul that you're a great actor, um, you the rejection does kind of get to you even on a subconscious level. So you need something else that you can do that you can feel fulfilled by and it doesn't revolve around your agent calling. That's why I'm so happy I have my small business because it is related to performance so I can be my own boss and cast myself. I don't have to wait for my agent to call. I know no matter what, every weekend I'm going to get to perform. And more often than every weekend, actually, because thank God my business is doing really well. But, you know, you have to have something else because if your whole being is embedded into whether or not the agent is going to call or the casting director or the writer or the director or the producer, you're going to have a bad time. And I think that's why a lot of performers get addicted to drugs and things like that is because they need something to cope with, you know, you have a bad day, you're you're out there pounding the pavement, auditioning, trying to get somewhere and like then you you just have nothing coming, you know, you're not you're not cast in anything. And it's just so hard. Like I go a, there's a long period of time that I I often go without work and it sucks, or I should say without outside work. And you know, sometimes my agent doesn't I I'm like is my agent still alive? I don't know what happened. You know, like why haven't I heard from you? <laughs> That's the business. That's the business for real. And you know that if Angelina Jolie is saying, girl, you better find something else to (laughs) keep you going, then you know that it's real because that woman is amazing and she's so talented and she's been in so many great movies and she's been in a great position most of her life. So if she's saying that, honey, rely on something else that isn't drugs or alcohol or whatever, you know, because... You have to have something else for your soul that you're not just constantly waiting for that validation of somebody to call. It's it's really rough. It is. That's the worst thing. You know, I always joke my friends are like sitting there waiting for some guy to call them back and I'm I'm sitting there waiting for an agent to call. Like I don't even care if the hottest guy in the world could call me and say, hey, let's go out. And I would be like, uh, are you casting a movie or, you know, like what? Like, that's who I'm always waiting to, for to call. And so it's hard. It's really hard. I don't want to discourage you or anybody listening to this, but it is difficult. And I think 
if you just accept that, it's easier than fighting it. You know, just accept, okay, it's going to be hard, but I can do it anyway. You're strong enough. And if you really love what you do, that's another like just basic tip. You have to love it. If you don't, I've heard this from a lot of famous people um, and it's very true. If you can see yourself happy in life doing anything else as a career, do that instead. Me personally, I can't see myself being happy if I'm not a performer. I, I wouldn't be fulfilled. Even if I had a great job. Like, even if I had a job that, you know, I think some people think, oh, you're either, you know, slaving away at a nine to five in a cubicle or you have your dream. Even if it wasn't like that, even if I wasn't slaving away in a cubicle, but I had a great, fun, interesting job that paid well. If it wasn't performance-based, that's a no for me. Like, I can't do that. And that's something I know about myself and something I've known about myself since I was a, like a baby. So if you feel that you can do another job and like really be happy and fulfilled, I would do that. And then like maybe do acting on the side and just see where it goes. But if you're truly like, no, I am an actor. I'm a performer through and through. You're in the right place, baby. You're in Los Angeles. Got to be in Los Angeles or New York. I know a lot of people, you know, say Atlanta now. New Orleans is is coming up too. But, you know, it, it really, you know, you're in the right place. So Godspeed. I hope I'll see you in a movie soon. <laughs> okay, so Aaron asks, do you think that Jessica and Leah Lachey ever kept in touch? And also, I always wonder if Nick ever got his husky too. I I don't wonder anything about Nick because I just, you know, I tend to not think about Nick unless I have to because I'm doing this show. But <laughs> uh, I haven't done a Jessica episode in a while. I missed making fun of Nick. Um, I hope Nick did get his husky because that's just sad if he never did. But um, I have thought about Jessica and Leah Lachey a million times. I actually went on Instagram around the time that I started this podcast and checked to see if Jessica and Leah were still following each other and they do not follow each other, which I do think makes sense. I don't think that they kept in touch. I mean, it's sad because you see on the show how well they got along and stuff. But that's the way it goes with family stuff like that, you know? I mean, I've never been through any type of divorce, but I mean, I feel like that happens a lot too with friends. Like, you know, you'll be friends with somebody and you'll be really close, but then like a mutual friend has a breakup and then you don't talk to them that much anymore and it feels awkward to reach out. And also, you know, Leah, Lachey, and Drew are still married. So, you know, Leah still consistently sees Nick, I'm sure, and is probably pretty close with Nick. And so maybe Nick also, like he he has a very fragile ego, it seems like. So I feel like he was he's somebody that would be like offended. You know, I feel like he would be like, oh, you're talking to Jessica, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So my guess would be that they do not talk. But I think it would be really cute if they did. Andrew asks, what are your hopes for a new Britney album? Well, Hold Me Closer literally just leaked. I just listened to it. Um, I don't even know what my thoughts are on it right now. Like, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, but maybe it'll grow on me. I don't know. Tiny Dancer is one of my all-time favorite songs. Like, literally very close to my heart. My, fa my, favorite, my favorite movie is Almost Famous. So, if you know, you know. My hopes for Britney is that when she does another album, because I do think she will do another one, I know that people have been saying for years, Britney doesn't want to do music anymore. She doesn't want to be a performer. She wants to move to Louisiana with her boys. I've never believed that. I really do believe that Britney is like a born performer. I really do. Do I think her parents had a lot to do with like, you know, pushing her and being stage parents? Sure. But I also think that 
when they say on all the interviews, like, Britney just loved to perform. She would never stop. I believe that because I was that kid. And I've heard a lot of people, like, say, oh, that's bullshit. Kids aren't like that. You know, five-year-old kids don't have a burning desire to be famous. Yes, they do. I did. <laughs> when I was five or six, I thought I would be super famous by the time I was like 10. I'm not kidding. Because I looked up to people like Britney or like the Olsen twins or Drew Barrymore or Tatum O'Neill. I mean, I literally thought I was going to be standing there with the Oscar and the, the men's suit that Tatum O'Neill won when she won the Oscar for Paper Moon. One of my all-time favorite movies, by the way. Um... I literally thought that was going to be me like I literally did and I would beg my parents to let me audition for things beg and I would like force them please like I wanted like I would I was already in dance classes and I would demand like I would say I need to be in more dance classes I have to sign up for this I have to do lyrical and ballet and modern and tap and jazz and hip-hop like literally I would actually like sneak out of the house to go on auditions because my dad was actually he <clears throat> is a fan of old Hollywood like he thinks any movie made after 1950 is trash and so he was a big fan of people like Judy Garland and Marilyn Monroe so he you know those are very tragic figures who had tough lives as a result of fame and Hollywood and success and money and things like that and so he was always very afraid of me doing anything like that and he actually forbid me from going on any auditions until I turned 18 which I did not stick to I mean he let up on it with like local community things like I would do community shows and I would sing and you know local stuff but you know he wouldn't let me do that and now I'm like damn that was actually really good parenting <laughs> but I totally believe that Brittany is a one of those people that like as a child just had some kind of drive or something in her and I think that she is a true music lover and a musician at heart and a very talented artist and I think that in the rare moments in her career where she was given the space to be herself and do the kind of stuff she wanted to do, I think she produced really beautiful, interesting work. And I think that now that the conservatorship is over, I think that if she is in the mood to make music, I think that she, my hope for her is that she will actually get to make something that is unique to her soul. Because even though I love I love almost all the music she put out during the conservatorship. I gotta say, like, I am a super fan of Britney. I love all of her music and all of her albums except Britney Jean. Um, but even Britney Jean has a couple decent songs, let's be honest. I love Perfume. Perfume is, is one of my all-time faves. But, I mean, I love, like, even Femme Fatale, which was a really rough era for Britney. Like, I love that album. That's one of my favorite albums. So... I think that even under the conservatorship, she put out good shit. And I think that she managed to, even during the conservatorship, show some moments of really amazing artistry. Like the Hold It Against Me video is so layered and says so much about her situation. And obviously there's moments on Glory that are so uniquely Britney that only could, Britney could only do, you know. And things like that. I really do think there are, there are shining moments even in her darkest times because I do think she is just a brilliantly talented musician and person. I would love to see what she does with no restrictions. With nobody hanging over her in the studio and saying you have to do this or that. Because at this point, not only is Britney free, but she also is going to have people that are dying to work with her and give her the opportunity to be herself. Because I think that's going to be the new thing with her, right? Is like, 
what who is she without these reins on her does she even know I think she knows like deep down in her soul but that's been blocked by so much trauma you know so my hope for her is that she does whatever the hell she wants so if she just wants to spin in her living room for eternity girl godspeed but I think I think she will want to release music at some point I mean obviously she did this song with Elton John you know and Elton John, when it comes to musicians, he's as A-list as it gets. So I feel like she's pulling out the big guns right away. And I think that's really cool. I mean, the song he did with Dua Lipa is great. And I think this trend of taking one of your old songs and remixing it with a younger pop artist, I think is brilliant. So I'm hoping for more collabs with Britney. I wish that there could finally be a Christina collab. I hope there'll be a Gaga collab. I hope there'll be another Madonna collab. But what I want really from Britney is just an all Britney album. And oh, I was going to say this before. I think that her overtly sexual image, I think, was really pushed on her in the conservatorship. It just seemed like every song has to be about how sexual she is and how sexy and it has to even, you know, on Glory. It's like almost every song is about sex. And do I think Britney's an extremely sexual person who expresses her sexuality in her music? Yeah. Touch of My Hand is one of my favorite Britney songs. But do I think that she wants to get into it on like every track? No. And I think that some of the ways that has gotten expressed on her more recent albums has been kind of like okay, this is tired at this point. We get it. She's sexy. Like, what else you got? <laughs> you know, especially after she's been through so much trauma. I want to hear her true heart and soul. You know, I want to hear those. Um, I want to hear the musical versions of her letters of truth from her website back in the day. I want to hear the original doll tracks that we never got. You know, a lot of them leaked. But what about the ones we never got? What about the tracks that have been bouncing around in her head? You know? So I, you know, whatever Britney does, I'll always support her, I'll always love her. I'm so excited to see whatever she does next. Okay, so this next question comes from Melissa. And thank you, Melissa, for all the nice things you said about my podcast. Um, Melissa says that she loves my Lindsay series so much. She loves how in-depth it is. And she asked if there's any chance I would ever do a Mary-Kate and Ashley series in the same in-depth way as the Lindsay one she says that she would even pay for it if it was a Patreon exclusive thank you so much for saying that Melissa that really means a lot to me yes I would Mary-Kate and Ashley they're definitely in the running for what my next series will be the only thing is is that I really don't want my next series to be as long <laughs> as Lindsay like I I want it to be a celebrity or a topic that isn't quite as like endless as Lindsay you know and I think my goal with the Lindsay series, and I hope that I am doing her justice, was to really talk about her talent. And even in the jail episode and the rehab episode, I spend a lot of time talking about her positive projects from around those eras because I hate the way that society and the media just threw her away when things got messy it was like oh you know because you drink too much you're suddenly worthless it's like no you know somebody can be a functioning alcoholic and still contribute to society and be like an awesome person you know I just hate how society treats addicts and that there's more comments and questions about that actually which I really appreciate so I don't know Mary-Kate and Ashley is pretty in-depth but also they've talked to the press so little and they've done so few projects recently outside of their fashion lines they've done like nothing you know which I mean that makes sense their fashion lines are full-time jobs 
but may, so maybe it actually wouldn't be as involved I don't know there's a lot of other topics I'm considering Brittany Murphy is a big one that you guys really want Mary Kate and Ashley and Brittany Murphy I think are the two most requested but you know there's a lot of different people in the running for what I'll do next I really want to do a series about JC from NSYNC him specifically I want to do one on Aaliyah I'm really interested in a lot of different people's stories one that I know you got like this audience probably isn't super into because it's they're not like that they're not as famous as somebody like Mary Kate Ashley but like I really want to do a series on the Arquette family so David Rosanna Patricia and Alexis Arquette I find them to be such a fascinating Hollywood family and in general I would just love to cover like Hollywood families I think that's so interesting you know people where multiple siblings or multiple family members are famous and they're like famous Par they have these like parallel experiences with fame I don't know it's just very interesting to me so I would love to explore that as well and I have about a million other ones in a notes app but I'm not going to give them away because I shouldn't even have said what I just said <laughs> I don't want anybody else to do it first although I doubt anybody could get as in-depth as I can because I'm like a freak but okay so Whitney asks do you think Kendra will ever make up with Holly and Bridget uh, yes, I think for the right price, absolutely. I think that Kendra saw the mansion as more of a job. I think that for her, it was like she had already been to the strip club. She had already had drug problems. And I think that, and by two, she had been to the strip club. I meant she was a stripper, you know. I think that she very much saw the mansion as like, I mean, she even says it in the first episode that she sees the mansion as a job, like being a girlfriend is a job. And honestly, it was a job. They got paid $1,000 a week. Like, let's be honest here, you know? And I think I just recently said this on both my Instagram story and the Ready to Be Petty podcast. So go listen to my appearance on Ready to Be Petty because I talk about this. And I actually talk about some of the other things that I've been asked in this Q&A just because, you know, they're current topics. Um, so go listen to that but I also I said it on that podcast as well and we talk more in depth about Girls Next Door and the new podcast Holly and Bridget are doing and I really think that Holly and Bridget made the mistake of investing like their hearts and their souls and their dreams into the mansion and Playboy itself. I think Holly got the worst of it because she invested all of that her heart and soul into Hef specifically I think Bridget was lucky because she more just loved Playboy in general she wanted to be like a beautiful blonde iconic Playboy Hollywood star and have a fun life at the mansion and I think that's what she got but I think Kendra ultimately like just saw it as a job and so I think that she probably due to not investing so much of her heart into it I think that's why she probably now is like I just want to move on like what's the big deal about this whole playboy thing <laughs> you know Kendra never had the reverence for playboy that Holly and Bridget had she didn't even really know what playboy was when she met Hef which is hilarious oh my god and I think one, that's one of the reasons why he loved her right like I I think that I mean when I say loved her I don't mean that they had this deep like <laughs> intimate love you know but I think that one of the reasons why he asked her to move in and he was so intrigued by her and why he didn't really need any other girlfriends after that, like he was happy just to have the three and he didn't need the seven or anything like that is because I think she did have such a unique personality from Holly and Bridget and she wasn't that cutesy, like 
girl that loves doing arts and crafts and is obsessed with Playboy and is just enamored by Hef. Like, I think maybe that challenged him a little bit, you know? Like, she wasn't completely enamored with him the whole time. She wasn't at his beck and call. Like, you know, just the fact that they all would be downstairs, like, waiting for her, you know? Like, she would take forever to get ready or she would be late and Hef would get mad and blame Holly. Like, Kendra just did whatever the fuck she wanted in that house and Holly and Bridget were walking on eggshells the whole time. Like... I think that men and probably women sometimes too, but I think men like that when a woman is is not doing everything she possibly can to please him. And instead, she's just kind of like, yeah, I am who I am. And hopefully you like it. And if you don't, well, sorry, you know. So I think that if the right price was mentioned, I think Kendra would do something with Holly and Bridget. I do. Because and, and also I think Kendra's pragmatic and I think Kendra like, I think that Kendra's the kind of person that's like, you know, I've heard her say many times. I actually just listened to her on the Juicy Scoop podcast, which is an old interview now at this point. It was from December of 2021. But Holly and Bridget were on Juicy Scoop and I was like, oh yeah, I remember I never listened to Kendra's interview. So I went back and listened to hers too. And, you know, she talks a lot about how she has a mom who has to support her kids. So, you know, if someone offers her a big chunk of change to do that, then I think she will, you know. And I also just in general think that celebrities that were super famous in the early 2000s really need to embrace it more than anything and to like accept that that is a very popular thing right now. And even if you wish you were known for something else, like this is what you're known for. So you should embrace it and profit off of it because you can. (laughs) Judy asks, European countries you have been to slash want to see in the future. I want to see them all. I've never seen any of them. That is my embarrassing admission is that I've never been to Europe. But I've traveled a lot around the U.S. And I have some trips coming up. I have three trips coming up for the rest of this year. None overseas. It makes me really sad that I haven't yet. But I see that as all being ahead of me. And actually right now my friend, one of my best friends that I've been friends with for over 10 years now, she's actually traveling the world. She's doing like a nomad lifestyle thing with her boyfriend. So they stay in different countries for about a month. They've been to, God, they've been doing it almost a year now. So they've been to a lot of different places. They lived in Rome. They lived in Prague. They lived in Dublin, Belfast, London, Croatia. I can't remember where in Croatia. I know they were in Split for a while. They were in Athens, I believe. They definitely were in Greece. They went to a lot of different places in Greece. They were just in Palermo. So I really would love to either visit her because she's going to come home for a few months. So I can't wait. I'm going to visit her like while she's back home in the U.S. But then when she goes back out in 2023, I would love to like fly to wherever she is and just visit her in whatever country I don't know if she's going to do Europe again though she might be doing Asia this time I don't know but I don't even care because I've never been out of the U.S. except to go to like the island like I've been to the Virgin Islands which they that is the U.S. right they are called the U.S. Virgin Islands so I assume (laughs) but yeah so I I will go anywhere literally like I want to see the whole world I really do I the places I want to go to most though in Europe Italy, I'm 50% Italian, so Italy is like my biggest, the biggest part of my heritage. So I really want to go there. I've always been fascinated by Germany. I don't know why. Speaking of past lives, I have a really weird connection with Germany. Like, I don't know. I've just always really wanted to go there. I really want to go to Ireland, though. Like, Ireland is probably my first choice after Italy. But really, anywhere, like, I want to go to London. I mean, I want to go to actually a lot of different places in England. I know a few people over there, so I probably should just say, hey, I'm coming to visit you. (laughs) But I want to see the English countryside. I know someone who lives in Bath, 
and it just seems like really nice there <laughs> he's always like it's just it's not it's just a normal town like whatever and I'm like it seems so cool to me it seems like foreign and exotic because it's all the way in the UK and I also love to go to Scotland. Oh, yeah, they lived in Scotland for like a month, too. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to talk to her about it and see because uh, she has a million tips and everything. If you want to follow her, her Instagram is jessicafay508. She's traveling the world right now. So check it out. It's really a cool Instagram. Nick says, what do you think about Brittany Murphy's death? I have no idea what happened to her. <sighs> Lots of whole can of worms. I think I will end up doing a series on her where I could really dive into that. I mean, no matter what, it's fascinating, right? Like... Uh, I do think it's I do think that the most logical explanation is that it was some kind of like mold poisoning combined with like them just not taking care of themselves and having a strange lifestyle. If anybody doesn't know, Brittany Murphy died of pneumonia, I believe was the final cause of death. And then six months later, her husband died and they were both like young people. She was like, what, 32 or something. And her husband, I think, was like 45. That's a very rough estimate. But a lot of people think maybe her mother did it. And other people say no way. Her mother loved her so much. They were so close. I don't know. Um, I never watched that documentary that came out recently because I heard it was just really exploitative and upsetting. But I will watch it if I do a series on her. And, you know, I always really looked up to her. I was a huge fan of hers back in the day. Ever since I saw Clueless, I just adored her. And then I remember when she got really skinny and blonde and you know she looked more like your stereotypical Hollywood girl and some people criticized her for that and some people liked it and I remember thinking her and Ashton were just the best couple ever I think she's so underrated as an actress I think she really shows her chops in a lot of movies not just Clueless not just Girl Interrupted I think she's so good in Riding in Cars with Boys which in general is I think one of the most underrated movies because it came out like a week after 9-11 or something so people were just not really focused on going to the movies at the time but Drew Barrymore too is just astounding in that film so oh, maybe I'll go watch it after this I love that movie I really do I think she's awesome and don't say a word Little Black Book I'll never forget the day that I went to see that movie I went to see it with one of my best friends at the time who was a year older than me and um, we, my mom took us and we cackled through the whole thing. We thought it was the funniest, most amazing movie. Like we literally were like every single twist and turn. We were like, <gasps> like we were literally, it was like we were cartoon characters. We were just so into it. We had the best time. I love that movie. I think she's even really great in Just Married, which I think is a film that a lot of people kind of thought was just silly and stupid. But I love, I think her and Ashton have such chemistry. And basically every movie she did, she was fantastic. And she just had that it factor. She had a really special quality. And it devastates me what happened to her. I still can't believe she's gone. That's one of those, those things that every time I remember she's gone, I'm like, God, God, that's wrong. You know, like I like to believe everything happens for a reason, but I don't know. That girl should be here. You know, it's heartbreaking. Next question is, are you surprised Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson broke up so soon? Yes, I am. I talked about this on the Ready to Be Petty podcast. So go after you're done with this, go listen to that because I'm not going to get into the whole thing again. But yes, I, I did expect them to last longer favorite 2000s look I mean that is so hard it definitely would be something Britney wore I always loved Britney's red carpet style even her like quote bad red carpet outfits I love like that crazy billboard awards one that everyone thought was hideous I loved I just think when you're that perfect like I literally think that Britney in the early 2000s is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life not that she isn't still, but you guys know what I mean. Everybody has like a time in their life where they're just the most beautiful. And I, I've never seen a woman as beautiful as Britney. I, I actually went to her tour in 2001 on her birthday. It was December 2nd, 2001. She played in New Jersey and um, 
I saw her the year before that too. I saw her in Jones Beach 2000 and I just thought like I mean even just watching her on TV you could see it but in person it was like just the sun shining into your face. It was like insane and um, I love her street style too. Like there's so many just like paparazzi shots of Britney back in the day that I love. But as far as like a general look of the 2000s like what you know you know I would say the Juicy Couture tracksuit because it was one of the ones I participated in. You know, we didn't have that much money, but anytime my dad was doing like pretty well, he would say I could pick one thing out from them all. And I always wanted like a Juicy Couture tracksuit, which was technically two things. And he would complain about the price and say, this is crazy. Like, I'm not paying this. But I was like, I literally don't want anything else. I just want a Juicy tracksuit. And I had like, I literally was that girl in high school that had the Juicy tracksuit. I had the hot pink one. I had the light pink one. I had a turquoise one, um, I had a blue one, dark blue. I had another, I had a pink terry cloth one. And I would literally wear like head to toe juicy and I would have the Louis Vuitton fake handbag. I could never afford the real one. My parents would never buy that for me, girl. But I had the fake one that you got on the street in New York City. I had the Canal Street version of the multicolor Murakami bag that Jessica made so famous and, you know, I used to actually dress like that. Like, I think that's why it's my favorite 2000s look because I actually got to participate in it. It wasn't something that I looked at from afar. It was something that I got. So I got the real Juicy, which, yes, was very expensive and I was very lucky to have it. Um, But I had the fake Louis Vuitton because, you know, I don't even know if I would pay 2000 bucks for a bag nowadays. No offense to you guys that buy it. I I know there's a lot of collectors out there, especially those who love Jessica. Um you know, that buy a lot of that stuff because she had it. No shade at all. I love fashion, but I'm such a travel and like trips kind of girl and I love live music and concerts. So that's usually what I prioritize my money on. So yeah, I used to rock those fake bags. (laughs) This is one of my favorite questions. Can you rank or at least name some of your favorite Playboy shoots slash covers? Yes, I can. I love Playboy. I've always loved Playboy. I know it's controversial. I know there's bad sides of it too, but I've always loved Playboy. And even though I do think that it was exploitative of women, I also do think it was true that like a lot of it was like women taking control of their sexuality and like showing off their sexuality in a positive way. Like I think it's, I think Playboy and Hugh Hefner and that whole thing in general is one of the most complex topics of our time. I'm not kidding. Like just because I think, I think it was such a good thing and such a horrible thing at the same time. And I think that you could make arguments for both. But yeah, I used to love back in the day, like the really creative Playboy covers where they would um, they would have like the bunny on the cover in a certain way. First of all, I love all the girls next door covers. My favorite one is the one that they did their second cover where they did like the front and the back. I think that that was really creative and cool and they look gorgeous and beautiful also, obviously. And I do think Holly's idea to do the, if you don't know, the last cover that Holly did while she was with half, um, she was working at the studio at that time, which a lot of people, the Playboy studio, which a lot of people thought was just like fake for the show, but it wasn't. It was a legit job that she had. And she fought a long time to get that job. And she wanted that job for a while. And she would ask Hef, you know, if she could do something like that for a while. And he wouldn't let her until it became a plot line on the show. And then she was allowed to. So basically on the girls next door, they show this in season five. They did three covers like Kendra, Bridget and Holly each get their own individual covers for this one, which was a big deal because 
in the past have told them like they were only good enough if they were like all together like they had to come as a threesome ew um you know it's like they weren't good enough on their own they had to come as a pack of three girlfriends in order to be super sexy enough for the magazine so fucking stupid but um so they all got their individual covers and they shot them in front of a different part of the mansion so like I don't know if this was the actual order but say for instance like Holly got the left side Bridget got the middle and Kendra got the right side so that if you bought all three covers and collected them you could line them up next to each other and you would get the whole Playboy mansion isn't that fucking cool I love that but my favorite Playboy covers actually aren't even celebrity covers. I love the old ones back in the day of like the older Playmates. I love the one of the beautiful black woman who has like the very classic like 1970s fro and she's sitting on like a bunny chair and the bunny is like blocking her nudity. I love the one where I actually have a t-shirt of this one um, that I got years ago. Like I know a lot of people make Playboy shirts now, but I used to buy them like back in the day, like when Girls Next Door was popular. So there's one where a playmate is like laying on her back and she has her feet up in the air and she's like she's making like a bunny shape. Um, I have a t-shirt of that one. That's one of my favorites. And if you type in like 1960s Playboy covers, 1970s um, Playboy covers, you can see what I'm talking about. I feel like in the 90s and 2000s, the Playboy covers were really um, not interesting. It was just like a girl posing in front of a backdrop, which I guess is fine. But like the creative ones were more interesting. And I do wonder like who was the art director back then because they really were phenomenal. I love the one where there's a blonde girl wearing a white um bra and underwear and she's like painting a bunny on her stomach with lipstick I love the one where there's a girl actually let me google it so I can tell you like the month that it is July it says July I don't know the year but um okay I'm just gonna describe it so it's like the back it's like a girl laying down with sunglasses on and she has short black hair and it's a yellow cover like there's yellow bunnies all over the place in the back it says picnic capers and the bunnies are covering her top and you know bottom like a bikini but it's not a bikini it's like the background of the I don't know how to describe it I'm describing it really badly but I love that one I love the one of the blonde girl where she's she's actually completely covered up she's wearing like a long uh sleeved white shirt <laughs> and she's like hold, she has blonde hair and she's holding up her hair in the shape of the bunny like I just love any of the ones that got creative about like the shape of the bunny there's also one that I love that is just like a picture of a girl's face I think it has to be the 60s because I remember it's a very 60s looking girl let me see August 1969 yeah go google that that cover is so beautiful because I love when like the covers weren't all about being sexy it was more about being artsy I love those type of covers like I totally see why Holly and Bridget were so obsessed with Playboy and like Playboy's history and stuff you know I would definitely be more of like a Holly and Bridget than a Kendra in terms of loving the magazine and thinking it was really cool and creative because there were times when it was really creative I also love their Christmas covers. I think anytime they go really kitschy and like themed with it, I think is fun. But I honestly think the best covers were in the 60s. I just don't like any of the covers where it's just a girl standing there. Like I just, I don't get that. I really like Kate Moss's Playboy cover when she's literally wearing the bunny costume on the cover. 
I love the Anna Nicole Smith one, the black and white one. Let me see what year it was. June 93. That one I think is one of the most beautiful covers ever. So hopefully I've named enough. Let me see if I can pick out a good early 2000s cover aside from Girls Next Door. You know, it's hard to find one because they're just literally standing in front of a backdrop. Like it's not interesting. Although I do like Pamela's black and white cover. That one, January 2007, where she's she's sitting down. That is a nice cover. It's nowhere near as nice as some of the other ones. So like, I just don't know why they didn't get as creative. I do actually think that Kim Kardashian's is a nice cover. It's not one of my favorites, but I think I like the colors of it. Like, remember how I said I always love the Christmas covers? Like, on Kim's cover, go look it up. It's a black backdrop, and it has, like, red and green and white font on it. And then she matches because she's wearing, like, a red one-piece lingerie thing. That is, like, very visually pleasing. Not just because Kim looks gorgeous, but... Oh, my God. I was just talking about Kim's spread recently because I came across the pictures and I had never seen like all the pictures before. Obviously, I knew she was in Playboy and I remembered obviously the, you know, famous clip of her doing the photo shoot and her mom saying, oh, you're doing amazing, sweetie and everything. But I never actually sat down and looked at the photos and oh my God, she was stunning, like breathtaking. I cannot believe, cannot fathom. Like it just, it just goes to show the sickness of Hollywood that she looked like that and she thought I'm not good enough I have to get plastic surgery on my body and face and not just one or two procedures let's be honest about 20 right like can you imagine looking that perfect go google the photos right now can you imagine looking that perfect and still saying I have to go through years and years and years of surgeries and pain and recovery and all of that I can't imagine Oh, you know what cover I love from the early 2000s? The Cara Monaco one. She was Playmate of the Year, I believe, 2006. Um, She did like a princess style photo shoot. And I love her cover. It's really, really cute. Go look it up. It's like she's wearing a tiara and she has like tulle all over her. It's a very cute cover. So I guess that's my favorite early 2000s besides all of the Girls Next Door covers because I love the Girls Next Door. My mom actually bought me the um, second cover that the Girls Next Door did. Even though I was uh, underage, (laughs) my mom bought it for me. I mean, it's naked women. Who cares? You know, Uh, but my mom and I used to watch that show together all the time. I was really young, but my mom knew how much I loved them. And so she picked up the Playboy for me. I still have it. I I got rid of a ton of my early 2000s magazines at one point, which I actually regret now. But I didn't get rid of that one. Like there are certain ones that I kept like my Rolling Stones. I actually collect old Rolling Stones. Yeah, I just love I actually would love to buy an old Playboy or something from the 60s and just look through it and see what, you know, what was going on back then. Next question. Do you think pop culture peaked? I actually I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say like through the rest of time will pop culture peak again? Probably. But I think pop culture kind of peaked in the 80s. Just with the movies, like there are so many iconic movies from the 80s and the pop stars like Madonna and Michael and Janet. I mean, it just, the commercials, the toys, like everything. And maybe that just feels that way to me because of the I Love the 80s show on VH1. But I kind of feel like pop culture peaked like in the 80s, honestly. I don't know. Uh, Do I think it'll peak again? I, I think it's hard to say like, I don't know if there will ever be a big 
pop star again like Britney or Michael or I think the last one was Gaga which by the way I'm seeing Gaga in 10 days exactly from today counting down the hours uh, I can't wait I'm going to the Chromatica Ball I have pit yes ma'am I have pit tickets holy shit I'm so fucking excited okay next question what did you think of the TRL reboot I didn't watch it let's be honest because I wish that TRL would come back but what I really wish is I wish I was 10 years old again. That's what I wish. You know, I wish it was 2000 again or 2001 or 2002. I don't want TRL to be new. I want the old TRL, you know. Like if Carson Daly could come back and Britney was a guest, then fine. But I didn't watch the reboot of TRL. I heard that it was trash. So I didn't really have an interest in watching it because, you know, what's done is done. Like it, you can't go back. This question is from Mary. I love that your name is Mary. Like that's so old school and classic. Mary says that she loves my podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who took the time to send in a question. I really appreciate it. Um, and she says that my podcast is her favorite. Oh my goodness, Mary. Thank you. I was wondering what are your favorite podcasts and how you get inspiration for your own? A great question. Okay, so... What are my favorite podcasts? I'm very nerdy, so I listen to a lot of like very niche podcasts. Right now, I, I mean, I've been obsessed for like a couple of years now with this podcast called With Gorley and Rust, which is Matt Gorley, who does Conan's podcast, which by the way, is another one of my all-time favorite podcasts. I love Conan O'Brien, always have. And I actually think his long-form interviews, like the fact that he can talk to people for longer than like a five-minute interview on his late night show I think is great for him so I love Conan's podcast and then Matt Gorley is from it works on Conan's podcast and then so he does with Gorley and Rust with Paul Rust who I know because he was on this Netflix show love that I'm obsessed with I've rewatched it multiple times I'm actually going to rewatch it again because it's set in LA and they show a lot of like LA restaurants and stores and different streets and areas and parks and things like that so I feel like watching it again will get me excited for LA. He starred in that and co-created and co-wrote it with his wife and Judd Apatow. So that's how I found out about him. And then I just followed them both on social media because I like their other projects. And then they released this project and they describe it as an easy listening horror podcast. So, you know, like I said, I'm nerdy. It's very niche, but they're just like really smart, cute, funny guys that really know a lot about pop culture and they just talk about horror movies and they do different series. They've done Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Scream. They're doing Child's Play right now. They did Jaws. Like they they do a bunch of different horror movies. And I just, they talk about them for like three hours. Like I love long podcasts that you really can sink your teeth into. So I love that podcast. Like I said, I love Dunzo. I love Planet 2000s. Michael is the host. We had I've had Michael on my podcast like three or four times and I will have him on again. I love him. I love the new Dana Carvey and David Spade podcast, Fly in the Wall, where they talk about their experiences on SNL and they interview other people from SNL. I am such an SNL head. Like that to me is one of the most fascinating aspects of show business. The whole SNL thing I can never get enough of. I'm a, I like these uh, retrospective podcasts. So I love the OC one that Melinda Clark and Rachel Bilson do. I love the new Laguna Beach one with Steven and Kristen. I love movie podcasts, especially ones where they don't necessarily talk about new movies. I love Lee Do You Remember This. That's Dara. She did a couple episodes of my podcast too, um, and those were great episodes. I love her series on Girls Next Door, but also just in general, 
her podcast is great even outside of the Girls Next Door episodes. I love Kennedy Dynasty which is it's a great podcast because it's so short. It's only like 20 minutes per week which initially I hated because I was like ah the Kennedys is such a you know distinct topic like you could really sink your teeth into longer episodes but I actually like it because it's it's quick and easy like it's you know if you don't have that much time and you want to learn a little something about history or the Kennedys it's a great podcast oh one of my favorite movie podcasts is the Shiterian collection they don't do it anymore but it was about like a very specific type of like 90s or early 2000s movie that wasn't like an Oscar winner but like was good for other reasons I don't know how to describe it so I'm just gonna you know what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna read to you some of the movies that they covered and you'll get it so now and then welcome to the dollhouse ever after the net fear josie and the pussycats anaconda fight club garden state wild things like you either get it or you don't and i definitely get it that's i wish they would bring that podcast back it's really one of my all-time favorites and then in general i just try to listen to like any podcast that my favorite celebrities are on so i'll always go listen to those and of course the lowdown with miss Lindsay lohan can't forget about her so yeah i listen to so many i mean i always have a podcast or music on recommend give me some recommendations if there's anything you think i'll like okay um so Kristen asks how did you come up with a name for your podcast i think it is genius and also why did you decide to create the podcast so i've talked about this before but um i thought about making a podcast for a while but I didn't know what I wanted to do I kind of wanted to do a girls next door podcast but then I was also considering Ashley and Jessica and I was really inspired when I met Jessica on her book tour for open book because I have been a fan of her since the beginning since I want to love you forever and I just really always adored her but meeting her was like a totally different story like when I met Jessica in person I don't know there's just something about her she made me feel so welcome she was so warm she made me feel like family right away And even though I only talked to her for a couple, like a minute, you know, I don't know, there's just something about her like that just really intrigued me and made me love her even more than I already did. And then reading her book, I was just so fascinated and I was like, there's so much here, but can I really just make a podcast about one person? And then I was like, well, duh, there's also Ashley. And I was like, you know, there is so much to cover just between those two, like just with all their different music and movies and TV shows and specials and everything they did. I mean, you know, Jessica's clothing line. I mean, there's just so much there between the two of them. And then I did that for like six months with a co-host and then I did it for another six months alone and just having a new guest every week. And then in, let's see, what is it, August? About eight months ago, I expanded to other topics. So... I've done the Benefer series that I did. I'm doing the Lindsay series. I did two episodes on the Scream franchise. I did some episodes on and just like that when it comes out. I plan to do a Patreon exclusive Kardashian series when the Kardashians come back on. So there's a bunch of topics that I want to cover. I literally could do this. I'm telling you from dawn till dusk. I could do this 24-7 and never lose like never run out of topics to talk about I'm telling you like I am obsessed with pop culture I have been since birth and I just love it so much so I really have to thank my listeners for supporting me especially in the decision to expand to other topics because as much as I love Jessica and Ashley you know I always joke there's only so many times I can 
say the same things, you know, and some people are asking, like a few people ask me like, oh, when are you going to do another Ashley episode? Like we want more Ashley or we want more Jessica. And I totally understand that. I mean, you have to understand I did like 50 episodes about Jessica and Ashley and there will be more. Okay. Like I will be finishing out everything I said I was going to do with Jessica and Ashley. So that's still happening. I just have to cover other topics because there's just so much that I'm going to cover. So I will be doing Ashley. You will be getting, we're going to cover the whole album autobiography. We're going to cover the rest of Ashley season one and season two. Of course, we're going to get into it all. We're going to get into the whole rest of their careers because, you know, they're still the stars of this podcast. As much as I love everybody else, you know, Ashley and Jessica, I always love them, but I love them even more now because they really inspired me to create this podcast and to become a podcast host. Finally, like I always knew I could do it. I always knew I'd be good at it. And it's connected me with so many people. I'm just so grateful. Like I talk about this all the time, but I was, I've thought about it multiple times, how crazy it is that like, you know, I started this podcast in October of 2020, deep in the pandemic before we even had vaccines. So I've made so many friends and most of them I've, I haven't even met in person, but it's crazy because I wouldn't have really made friends. Not, you know, like I wouldn't have made new friends during the pandemic because no one was going anywhere. How would you make friends? And a lot of the ways I normally make friends through work and, you know, type of situations just wasn't happening. So the fact that I feel like I know so many people and I've made so many connections around the country and really the world. Oh, speaking of around the world, that's another one of my favorite podcasts. I can't believe I forgot about Right Back Atcha. That's another, that's like an early 2000s music podcast. And I had Joel um, from that podcast on, I am obsessed with that one. They just did a Christina episode for Stripped so good they're they did also episodes on Jessica and Ashley and Lindsay go listen to that oh so good um but yeah I feel like I have connections with people all over the place now it's amazing and I feel like some of the friends that I've met online doing this podcast are like such kindred spirits because we all love the same stuff so it, it just it's so fun I'm so thankful for this podcast and how I came up with the name I really don't remember I kept thinking it was going to be called the Simpson Sisters podcast but I kind of hated that because no one calls them the Simpson sisters. Like, it's not like the Hilton sisters where everybody would call them the Hilton sisters, right? Like, they wouldn't say necessarily say Paris and Nikki. They would say the Hilton sisters, you know? So I, I just thought, like, they're not really known as the Simpson sisters. And, I, and then I thought, like, should it be like the Jessica and Ashley cast? And then I was like, no, the, the Ashley and Jessica cast. Like, it's perfect I remember when I thought of it I was like oh my god like that's so perfect it fits so well the Ashley and Jessica asked oh my god like I was so happy when I thought of it <laughs> like I still I, I don't even know how it came to me really but like I just I remember when I figured that out because I was thinking about it for a long time I couldn't pick a name I couldn't pick a name and then when it finally came to me I was just so thrilled and so relieved that I figured it out and I had a good name for it so that's how that came together I just got a message from someone named Lindsay who's listening to the Lindsay podcast, the latest episode, and she says, you said to let us know if you wanted a Corey Haim episode. Personally, I would love that. I was so obsessed with the Corys when I was younger, and it would be such a great listen. Thanks for doing such a great Lindsay series. You're welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for listening to it. I would love to do a series. I mean, it really would have to be on the Corys, right? Like, not just Corey Haim, because they really go hand in hand. And if you're too young to know what I'm talking about, the Corys were a big thing in the 80s. Like, I know this podcast is more early 2000s focused. So, like, there might be some people that are like, what are you talking about? So, even though I was born in the 90s, I was always obsessed with the 80s culture. Like, I don't know why. It's just something, like, 
went off in my brain like I've always been obsessed with the Brat Pack and like like I said Michael Jackson Madonna Janet and I love 80s movies and the two Corys were super famous Corey Feldman and Corey Haim and they were like best friends and they were in a bunch of movies together and they were seen together all the time and basically they went off the deep end with drugs alcohol and things like that and they have major trauma due to being molested as children in the industry and it's just so tragic Corey Feldman is still alive but has so much trauma. I mean he like I don't even know where to begin I'm not even gonna explain like you can google if you want to know like what he's doing now fascinating stuff and my heart really goes out to him and Corey Haim passed away and that was one of those things where like when he passed away I really felt this like darkness in my heart I'm actually gonna get emotional right now I I felt this like pain for him like it was almost like I could feel his pain like I just was so empathetic for him and I just like I just think of that little boy in Lucas that like innocent little oh my god I'm like tearing up right now that like innocent little child in Lucas and he was so talented and he did such a good job in that movie and like the things that happened to him are unspeakable and Feldman too and you know as much as I love Hollywood and show business and pop culture like it can also be so horrible and so damaging and it's oh fuck it's tough like it really you know that would be a really tough one to get into I'm definitely thinking about it I'm definitely considering it so people please let me know if you if if enough people message me about it I'll just suck it up and do it but yeah that would be a really tough one next question hey Leah I was wondering if you think Kristen and Steven are going to get back together after listening to their new podcast I definitely feel the chemistry and connection and I feel like it's possible yeah I do think they could get back together. honestly like I just have to say I am so fucking impressed by this podcast the back to the beach podcast with Kristen and Steven I was a huge Laguna stan back in the day I mean so many of us were right I was really impressed with the pot like I I can't tell you how much I look forward to it every week I think it's such a well done podcast the only thing about it is it's too short with too many ads I think it should be at least an hour all of them so far have been less than an hour with like a ton of ads so that sucks because you're only getting like 30 solid minutes of them talking if that um, so I think it should be longer. I could, I would I would listen if it was double the time. I'm not kidding. I love it. I think their rapport is so great. I think their rapport is like made for television, made for podcasting. Steven is in a serious long-term relationship. He actually just posted a picture with his girlfriend the other day. And like she doesn't look like Kristen, but she's the same type, right? Like blonde California girl, tan, you know. Um, and she's gorgeous and they look really happy together, but – I don't care I want him to be with Kristen and I do think they can find each other and again and I hope they do I really think that like their podcast is better than I expected I feel like they're really going there and I feel like he still has feelings for her like I think their dynamic is still the same I think he's still kind of like chasing her and she's still kind of like whatever Stephen like honestly I really do like I think he still has a thing for her he might be like deeply in love with his girlfriend but that doesn't mean that he still doesn't have a thing for Kristen you know People can feel two different ways at once. So I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. I will keep listening. I'm so excited to hear every detail of every episode they have. I think it's a great podcast. And I hope they get together and have beautiful, beautiful, beautiful babies. And I hope they move back to Laguna and raise those babies. And in 17 years, we get another. We get Laguna, the next generation. Oh, this is a great question. This question comes from Madison. And Madison says, hey, Leah, I follow your personal Instagram. Thank you for following my personal Instagram. If anyone listening wants to follow, it's at Capria Moon, C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And if you want to just send me a message, if you do follow me, 
and you want to send me a message and let me know that you're from the podcast, I'll follow you back. I love getting to know my podcast listeners. So just let me know that. Don't be shy and I'll follow you back. I follow your personal Instagram and I noticed that you post sometimes about Colleen Ballinger. I was wondering what you think about the criticism that she and other people like Maya Knight, who I've also seen you post about, are getting about the child exploitation I personally feel conflicted about it because I love watching Colleen, but I do think that it's kind of questionable to post your kids, especially their everyday lives as consistently as Colleen does. What do you think about it? I agree. So if you don't know who we're talking about, Colleen Ballinger is a YouTuber. She She's famous for Miranda Sings, so you probably know who that is. And she has this adorable, precious baby. Well, he's not a baby anymore. He's three. His name is Flynn. And she just had twins. Well, not just gosh now they're like eight months older wow no they're older than that oh my god they were born in November um clearly I'm too invested in this woman's life but <laughs> so yeah she has these adorable twins and then Maya Knight is a TikToker she has twins as well Violet and Scout and I think they are the cutest babies in the world and I and I work with children so trust me like I know this and they are the cutest babies ever I feel very conflicted as well I am with you because I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that like these women are just sharing their lives and obviously their babies are a huge part of their lives but I think especially with Colleen particularly like you know there's a lot of talk there's a lot of criticism for these people because it's like your children can't consent to becoming famous Maya Knight has 8 million followers on TikTok 8 million people know who these little twins are these little babies they're like one and a half they're not even one and a half years old and yet eight million people know their names that's weird right like that's not okay and I get that I think I love children so much I can't wait to have kids of my own someday and I enjoy watching them I can't tell you how much they brighten my day when I see them like they make me smile so much and I also think there's something to be said for that like look at all the joy that they're spreading but at the same time they can't consent to that and I think that that is really shitty Personally, if I found out that my mom put me on the internet as a baby, I would think that was kind of cool. Like, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it, but there's a lot of people who are like, I would be so embarrassed. I think that Colleen is a bit more pro problematic because she has been doing daily vlogs during the entire pandemic, like literally almost every single day since March of 2020, she has done a daily vlog. They're usually at least 10 minutes. Sometimes they're 20 minutes. Sometimes they're 25 minutes. And it's not just like a little short clip. Like I think Maya Knight being on TikTok, you know, she was doing YouTube for a while, but she didn't even do that many videos. And then she kind of just stopped. You know, she's filming her babies for like a minute a day or at the most like three minutes a day, right? So I think that that is, you know, she also slowed down a lot. And Maya had like 1,200 videos on her account and she deleted more than half of them. She has like 400 now. So I think that that's less harmful. Colleen, I think, deserves a little more criticism because she she posts like I know like you could literally go back and look at any day of Flynn's little life and see what he was doing on that day. And she doesn't post anything super personal like she doesn't show him having fits or like, you know, having toddler meltdowns. You know, she doesn't show him like potty training or anything too personal, but still like she just he's constantly on video and he he'll talk to the camera and he doesn't understand what he's doing you know like he doesn't understand that he's talking to millions of like he doesn't you can't be cognizant of that at three and you know she filmed his birth and like literally since his birth he's been filmed almost every day of his fucking life like that isn't good right but yet I can't stop watching so I would be a hypocrite if I criticize her because I literally think Flynn is one of the sweetest cutest little kids ever and the thing about me is I don't have impure intentions right like 
I just watch them because they're cute kids. I also just like Colleen as a person and as a YouTuber. Like, even if she stopped posting her kids, I would still watch her. So there's that. But, like, there are people who do have ill intentions. There are pedophiles and child predators and stuff. And I think the main problem with a lot of these vloggers and TikTokers is, like, we see the inside of their house. We see the layout of their house. For an average person like me who's never going to hurt anybody or do anything weird, that's no problem, right? But... You know, then you think of cases like JonBenet Ramsey or, you know, these horrible things that happen and you're like, oh shit, I don't want to put my kid's entire house layout on TikTok every single day. You know, it's, so I, I very much acknowledge that there's a problem, but I also acknowledge that I'm part of the problem because I'm not going to stop watching. I love watching them. So maybe I'm a hypocrite, but that's how I feel. I would love to get your guys' opinions on it. I know a lot of people think it's disgusting. <laughs> There's a lot of Reddit groups about this shit. And like all these Redditors are like, you know, talking so badly about Maya and Colleen. But they yet they know every detail of their lives. So I'm like, okay, so you're watching daily though. Like you're watching all these videos that you claim people shouldn't be watching because it's not safe for the kids. So I don't know. It's, it's a complicated issue. And I, I acknowledge both sides of it completely. Okay, so Judy said, can you talk about all the celebrities you've met? No, I can't because there are so many that I would never be able to do that. And I don't mean that in a bragging way. I just mean I've been working in the industry for a long time. And not only that, but I've always been obsessed with pop culture. So when I was a teenager, I've, I grew up right outside of New York City and that's where I still live. And everything happens in New York, right? So I've been to a million movie premieres and private events and private parties. I learned at a pretty young age how to get into movie premieres without being invited not that hard, believe it or not. <laughs> and I don't know, I haven't tried it since before COVID. Things are probably tighter now with security, but I probably still could do it. I should try, honestly. I should get all dressed up and go try one of these days. But um, but yeah, movie premieres are, were always easier to get into than after parties. After parties are the real ticket because that's where celebrities actually misbehave. That's where they really let loose. So that's fun. So a lot of the times what I would do is I would get a premiere ticket pretty easily, but then I would have to beg my way into the after party, which was always hilarious. So what I would do is um, beg, like literally, like I would show, like I would, here's what you, here's what I would do. You know, when I was a teenager, I had no shame. And I just wanted to meet celebrities and be around famous people. I was fascinated by the industry and I just, it seemed like the velvet rope was impossible to get behind. And then I started getting behind them and then I became addicted to it and I would go to everything. Like I said, the premieres were kind of easy to get into if you knew who to talk to. You just had to dress up and talk to the right person and you could get in. I'm also like a non-threatening young blonde girl with big blue eyes, right? So it was like kind of easy for me. Um, but then the after parties were more exclusive, and there were a lot of people that only went to the after parties. That's where it all goes down. And so what I would do is I would go to the after parties. And what happens is like the after parties, a lot of industry people just go to the after parties for like 15 minutes and then they leave. So what I would do is I would stand outside and I would just I would see somebody leaving with a pass and I would say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I would go with a friend, you know, we're both like I did this the most at age like 16 through 21 um, and, and we would just say, oh my gosh, like we would show our premiere tickets and be like, we have after party tickets too, but we just, we lost them. Like somebody stole our envelope. We don't know what happened to it. Can you please just give us your passes? And they don't care because they're leaving anyway. They're like, oh, these young kids want to get in. Who cares? What are they going to do? You know? And so that's how I would get into things. And I've, I've, and also like just through the industry, just through working, I've met everybody. So I'm going to list some names. Meryl Streep, Leo DiCaprio, 
Johnny Depp, Mick Jagger, Martin Scorsese. I worked on his set. He's one of my all-time favorite people. He's amazing. Steve Buscemi, Kathy Griffin a million times, Jessica and Ashley, obviously, Hanson a million times, Kevin Jonas, Chris Rock, Amanda Bynes, Russell Brand, Jonah Hill, Ted Danson, Katie Holmes. I met Katie Holmes. She was holding Suri at the time. Suri was two years old and Suri was in her arms. I didn't bother her or anything. It was after a Broadway show. Like she was signing autographs, you know, without me like bothering. I would never bother like a mother holding her baby, even if it was Katie Holmes. But it was after a Broadway show. So she was just like holding Suri. I thought I was like, oh my God, it's the Suri Cruise. Like I couldn't, I was more excited that Suri was in her arms than anything. Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of my all time he is like my favorite actor of all time and he was one of the nicest people I've ever met. Amy Adams, Isla Fisher and Sasha Baron Cohen, Lauren Graham, Oliver Platt, Ja Rule, <laughs> Lance Bass, Amy Schumer, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. I actually met Tina on my 21st birthday and I told her it was my 21st birthday and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, don't get into any crazy shenanigans. And I did get into crazy shenanigans. I went to a, a nightclub and I made out with a very hot Brazilian guy. He was like the male equivalent of Giselle Bunchen, And he really, you know, wanted me to go back to his hotel suite, but I didn't know him. I was like, what if he murders me? But I probably should have gone. Goldie Hawn, who's my all-time favorite actress, um, that was one of the most amazing celebrity experiences I've ever had. She was like so amazing, so beautiful, and so I can't tell you how much I love her. Alec Baldwin a million times because he used to come to the opening of an envelope. He was everywhere in New York. Steve Martin, Matthew Lillard from Scream and Scooby Doo. He was my acting teacher for a while. I'm actually. I actually know him a little bit like I mean he was my teacher obviously so we spent some very intense moments in class together and then he would always take us out after we would go like partying in the city all night oh my god those were the days it was so fun he hasn't taught a class in a while and I'm just praying that he comes back he was supposed to do one right before COVID but then it got canceled because he was working on that show Good Girls because he's an actual working actor with he's busy so (laughs) so yeah but I can't wait until I I can't wait until he comes back and does another one because I love working with him. He really taught me a lot and he's so fun to hang out with. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia, he was a good one. I saw Jack Nicholson from afar. I didn't actually talk to him, but he got out of a limo and I yelled, Jack, and he turned around and he had the, the sunglasses on and he flashed the Jack Nicholson smile. It was exactly what you would want from Jack Nicholson. I mean, just, ugh, ugh. He is the, he is the movie star. I mean, he is everything, just amazing. Blake Lively, I actually spent a lot of time with, I mean, 90 minutes (laughs) I spent time with recently. She was lovely. She was lovely. Don't believe any rumors you hear about her. She is such a lovely person. I spent time with her and her three children. Beautiful, sweet kids. She was so nice. She was such an attentive mother. She was so, uh, just so much more attentive. Like I said, I work with kids and she was more attentive than most mothers. I mean, she was wonderful. Like, just so beautiful. So, she looks exactly the way she looks on TV. Like, that's not Photoshop. She looks, she's stunning and she's so sweet and just, I loved her. Amy Poehler was great too. She was one of my favorites because I studied at UCB, which is the school that she founded. So I got to thank her for that. And she was like, are you kidding? Like, thank you for attending classes. Oh my God. You know, she was, she was really cool, really down to earth. Her and Tina both are super down to earth and cool. Juliana Margulies, Zach Braff. I met Holly and Kendra from the girls next door never Bridget but Holly and Kendra I met Demi Moore was one of my favorites I asked her for acting advice she was lovely 
I met the Spice Girls when I was really little. That's a hell of a story. Dave Navarro, he's one of the very few celebrities that I've just like run into. So most of the celebrities that I just listed, I either worked with them or I met them at a premiere or something or I waited in line at a book signing or something like that. Dave Navarro, I actually just ran into. <laughs> so that, that was a funny story. I'm not actually telling any of these stories because there's just such a long list that I'm just trying to get through it and like list them all. But if you guys want to hear any of these specific stories, maybe I'll do another episode like Leah's celebrity run-ins or something. That'll probably be a patron and I can tell the story of all these. But there are so much more. I mean, I know I'm forgetting like major people here right now, but I've had a lot of really cool experiences and I'm actually going to LA in a couple weeks and I hope that I've run into some celebrities because I think it's so exciting to just run into them. You know, like I said, it's not, I mean, it's still, of course it's exciting to work with them on set and things like that, but it's, it's so much fun when you're caught off guard and you just like run into them and you're like, oh, holy shit, that's so-and-so, you know? So yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting more, but there have just, like I said, I've just been at this so long. Oh, the whole Harry Potter cast. I went to a bunch of the Harry Potter premieres that was surreal like one of the most surreal experiences of my life was being front row at the Half-Blood Prince premiere because the entire cast stood out front in the front like in front of the screen to announce the movie that was insanity oh Diane Lane Richard Gere I spoke to Alan Rickman I have his autograph that was one of the most I was like shaking after that and I don't get that way with celebrities either um, but Alan Rickman is just so epic and he's so like sexy and he's so I mean he really was sexy even though he was like really old the time when I met him it didn't matter he was like 65 and I was like 20 when I met him and I was like shaking because he was so hot and sexy and like oh my god I just wanted to rip his clothes off I really did so I will conclude it there I think that's enough for the Q&A episode if I missed your question I'm sorry I did save them all so if I if you want me to do a part two let me know send me any more questions you have I love all you guys and I appreciate your patience with the next episode and um, I just am so thankful that you listen to this podcast and that you're a part of my life so thank you so much everybody and I'll see you next week bye Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriya Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear ashleyandjessicast at gmail.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast see you next time